There is the Nepal of myth, the ice and rock realm of Mount Everest, the roof of the world. Then there is the country where most Nepalese actually live. I was still unfamiliar with that other, more earthly Nepal when I first came to the Kumbu. I had hiked up to the village of Tommy at 12,000 feet with Appa Sherpa. He stood a wiry five foot three and weighed perhaps 120 pounds. Appa's hair was cropped close and his head was a thing of beauty, smooth and sun-browned like an exotic nut. Looking at him, you'd never guess he was one of the world's greatest athletes. But by the age of 50, Appa had climbed to the top of Everest 20 times. No one had ever stood on the sharp peak of the Earth's highest point more often. Appa had invited me to Tami to meet his family and gather material about his career in the mountains, hoping that I would write a book about him. I was intrigued, not simply because of his high-altitude achievements, but because, unlike many publicity-seeking Western mountaineers, Appa, like most Sherpas, climbed not for glory, but to feed his family. He had also dedicated his most recent expeditions to raising money for the schools that surrounded the mountain his people know as Chomolungma, goddess mother of the world, and to raising awareness of the toll that global warming was taking on the Khumbu's receding glaciers. By the time I arrived, the five-room school Sir Edmund Hillary had built in Appa's village was planning to lay off two of its teachers because of funding shortages, which would force the older students to walk six hours each day if they wanted to continue attending classes. And the lower portion of Tame had recently been washed away when a lake of glacial meltwater overran its rim and thundered through the valley where Appa had been raised. His family's home had been spared. So had the house next door, which belonged to the family of Tenzig Norgay, the first person to step onto the summit of Everest alongside Hillary in 1953. Appa Sherpa had taken advantage of his prominence as a mountaineer to move his family from Nepal to suburban Salt Lake City, where his three children could count on a quality education. But his American dream hadn't panned out as he'd expected. Appa's attempt to create a line of outdoor clothing had crash-landed shortly after its launch. When he emailed me to introduce himself, he was working in a metal shop, stamping out road signs for Utah's highways. Appa wasn't bitter. He described his achievements on Everest with such matter-of-fact modesty that I agreed to accompany him to Nepal on his next expedition. As the stone and ice immensities of the Himalaya thrust into view around every twist in the trail, Appa led me over swaying suspension bridges and up steep rock staircases with effortless grace. And as we traveled together, he proved to be one of the kindest people I'd ever met. Whenever my breathing became ragged, he'd put a hand on my shoulder. Slowly, slowly, he'd say, guiding me to a seat on the nearest stone wall or to a bench at a tea house, where he'd pretend that he, too, was anxious to rest. At altitude, the air was beautifully crisp, the peaks fairy-tale white. The sky draped over the low stone homes of Tommy was the unblemished blue of tourist brochures. Each morning I'd wake to the gentle alarm of yak bells. Cocooned in my warm sleeping bag, I'd open my eyes, peer through puffs of my breath, and watch wood smoke from breakfast fires drift across low stone walls that divided pastures from potato fields. On one side, shaggy black pack animals foraged for grass shoots with delicate lips. On the other, slender plants angled toward the sun, pale green with new growth. 
I interviewed Appa's elderly mother as she spun her prayer wheel and kept my tin mug of butter tea topped up. I also spoke with Appa's climbing partners, brothers, aunts, uncles, and cousins. I was so enchanted by Tame that I lingered there for several days, resisting the conclusion that was becoming as clear to me as the air above the village. That writing a book about a man climbing the same mountain twenty times, even the world's highest mountain, even for admirable reasons, was not something I could do well. Appa was preparing for another attempt on Everest, and though I protested that I could find my way back down the trail to the airstrip at Lukla, where I planned to catch a small plane to Kathmandu, he insisted on accompanying me for the three-day trek. His middle-aged sister-in-law served as our porter, carrying, by a strap balanced across her broad forehead, the expedition bag I could barely lift. And with each step closer to the world of cities, with each foot of altitude lost, I felt more acutely how lucky I had been to get a glimpse into the life of this gentle man, and how much I regretted failing him.